Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Fat Lot of Good podcast. It's me, Helen Thorne. I'm your host, I'm a comedian, I'm a writer and I'm half of a scummy mummy. And you know what? I don't give any fucks if you think my thighs are big. Joining me today is the amazing Arabella Weir. Hello, Arabella. Hello, Helen. How are you? I'm pretty good, thank you. Thank you for joining me here. It's my huge pleasure. In the fat studio for fat people. Um, (laughs) Now, you've been on the, obviously, the wonderful Scummy Mummies podcast, but I've invited you along today because you've written amazing books, but also you inspire people through your comedy, through your writing, and just for being goddamn fabulous. Thank you very much. Now, uh, for those of you who don't know Arabella, you've been an amazing comedian, writer and actress. You've probably seen her on The Fast Show, maybe on Grumpy Old Women. I was thinking about that this morning, actually. I think that's when I really fell in love with you. I loved that show. And that was about out, well, about 10 years ago? I think it probably ended about 10 years ago, but it started, didn't it, sort of about 15, 16 years ago. It became a huge thing. Somebody reviewed Grumpy Old Women and said something that made me laugh out loud. They said, because the brand started with grumpy old men yes. and the person who was a male TV reviewer said you watch this and you just think they're just a bunch of old farts mm. uh, and then you watch the women and you think everything they say is perfectly reasonable <laughs> <laughs> well that's right because I what I would have been about 25 and I remember watching it just thinking that's this is one of the most exciting things I've ever seen because it was honest and funny, and I just thought, I just want to hang out with all these women. Like, Aww. for once, for once, old women weren't just, like, you know, hyacinth bouquet. Like, it, it was it was sort of gritty and I think a bit kind of groundbreaking because you, you just, you gave no fucks. And it was so, as a, yeah, as a young person, I thought, I just... It's not all doom and gloom ahead of me, even though you were kind of complaining about things. I think but there was complaining, but I think there's... But there was a camaraderie and there was a kind of, like, oh... Uh, yeah, and I think what was finally, and as you say, I mean, it sounds a bit weird to say groundbreaking, but finally there were women on television not being pretty assistants, sexy nurses, hmm. old battle axes. Uh, they were just sort of going, yeah, this is the sort of thing that annoys me. I can't bear this. I don't like that. And, and we were just sort of telling it like it is instead of, I wonder, you'll be playing a character who really finds this man who's 40 years more older than you, more attractive, and, you know, all that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think it was liberating in that way because there was no kind of, oh, can you say some fun, nice things? It was just just say all the things that really annoy you. Yeah. So that was and I was one of my favourites was they said, Well what makes you happy? And I really had to think about it. You know, I already had children, obviously my children make me happy, but at that stage, you know, there was quite a lot of um 
you know, quite a lot of work compared to the happiness going in. A lot of work going in, minimal happiness coming out, and a lot of complaining coming out. And uh, I said, literally, I went, oh, I know what makes me happy, an unfranked stamp. <laughs> and I oh, genuinely meant it, and it still makes me happy. <laughs> Like you've won a prize. Yes, it's just fantastic. 68p up, get oh, in. Soak it off, soak it off, as my mother would say. But yeah, I think um, I think that's when I first discovered you. And then, of course, through the fast show and, and other things. And does but my bum look big in this? That must have been something that spoke to you, I am assuming. I think so, because I, um, from the get-go, I've always been a big person. Um, I was one of five in my family. I was the fourth and was the biggest. And so I had family members always commenting on my... Your siblings or your parents? Uh, my siblings more than anything oh, else. Really? So I had three brothers who would say, oh, God, things like, oh, I hope when I have daughters they don't have fat thighs like you. <gasps> or, or brother once said, have you ever thought about losing weight? Because then you'd look really beautiful. So things like those sort of... Um, oh, my giddy aunt. Shit. Let's just call have them shit things. Have you ever thought about having your head kicked in? Because yeah. then you'd look shit, which is <laughs> how you ought to look. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so whenever there was talk about um, uh, body image or, you know, does my bum look big in this, as your wonderful catchphrase, uh, that just struck a massive chord because um, when you're told you're fat, as you have so beautifully written about in your book, you just believe it. You just you just think, well, that's... Well, you know you're fat. Yeah. I mean, you never mind believe. You know you're fat. You know you're less good than the girls yeah. that aren't fat and you know you'd be incredibly happy and everything would be fine if only you were thinner yeah because then there's so much wrapped up with greed as well mm. because and I think I'm very much hope I don't know about body image but certainly women's entitlement I hope little by little will be changing with the me too movement because I think the the you eat too too much in inverted commas mm. which means you're greedy and women aren't allowed to be greedy because women are supposed to be taking up less space in every possible way and they're yes. certainly not supposed to be having the pudding the extra bit of sandwich whatever it is whereas for a guy to do that it's an entirely different thing oh, yeah. so I think there's a lot tied up with you're just taking too much space mm. there's you're too you're meant too to much slip, of you slip through you're meant to be a shadow you're meant yeah. to be yes an accompaniment, a side plate. Exactly. A side, not a plate, thank you very much. A side lettuce leaf <laughs> with no right. dressing. That's right. A teeny cake for. Complimenting the huge steak that is your male counterpart. Yes, indeed. Uh, so I like to start, let's, let's start the meat of the podcast by asking our guests about how your relationship is with your body now, like today. How do you feel about your body, Arabella? Um, I would say I'm sorry to say, listeners, that I'm probably still uh, have mixed feelings in as much as I don't diet. I do watch what I eat, but I, as I say, I don't diet. Um, I w would not be likely to wear even a middle-aged woman's bikini but I no longer care what everybody else on the beach is going oh dear look at her I just probably wouldn't be having much fun running to the sea and sort of feeling my stomach wobble mm. and my thighs which would be the two big things that would wobble uh, but I certainly don't go oh if I'm thinner I'll be happier I've lost all that kind of neuro neurotic uh attachment to weight um 
but I do a lot of exercise and I've accepted that I'm clearly never supposed to be thin. That I, I dare say you could take me and another woman and I could have a glass of milk and stay alive for a month and she wouldn't. Yeah. So I've accepted that and I, yeah, but that's, that wouldn't, I, I'm not at the sort of, yeah, and I'll wear a strapless dress and wave my arms around going, have you seen the uh, undercarriage? Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be doing that. So there's no, there's no pride, but there's no shame. Um, now, going back, because I really want to talk about your amazing book, which I just sort of finished last night, um, The Real Me is Thin. Um, why did you want to share your early stories and why did you think it was important to, because your childhood at in many stages is quite painful and your relationship with your food and your mother and all the things. Anyway, I'll let you say it because you'll say it in a much better way. Um, so, uh, you know... Comedy, I you know, it, being analytical about it, and I hope not too boring, but comedy was, uh, I didn't know it, but was clearly my coping mechanism from a very young age in this quite dysfunctional and incredibly competitive parents, both of them, very competitive, and they pitched me and my siblings all against each other. And there was very much the idea that there was a finite amount of love and that, you know, if you displease them, and in my case that would be being chunky, then you obviously couldn't expect to be as loved as the boy, for example, that just got into Oxford. That Mm. was just, I mean, they didn't even think about that. That was just an obvious thing. (laughs) And um, so I learned to be funny very early on. And uh, and apparently I was. And then I went to school and was very funny and already not a thin girl, not a sort of huge one, but, you know, the chunkier of the gangs of mates. So, but, you know, did self-deprecating stuff and then was very sort of wise-ass, then got into comedy and then always thought as an actor slash comedian, well, I'd be better, I'd be funnier, people would like me more if I were thinner because I was still locked into that kind of worth self-worth thing. Then I came up with Does My Bum Look Big In This, which, to my huge delight and uh, enormous um, pleasure, uh, became a kind of, you know, a catchphrase everybody used. And then I realised that all women, whatever they looked like... yeah felt that they were the wrong size, that Mm. if only their boobs were perky and only their bum was smaller and their knees were this. And and there's so much. So that I came up with that catchphrase 25 years ago. And then I wrote that book, Does My Bum Look Big In This, that was all jokes. And it was all jokes about fat stomachs and blah, blah, blah. I mean, her fat stomach, not not ever anybody else's expense. Yeah, so that's a fiction book about a... And then, sort of 10 years later, no, a bit more, and my mum had died by this time, both my parents had died, I had the idea of doing, as it were, what the psychology behind Does My Bum Look Big In This had been, where it had come from. So I wrote The Real Me Is Thin, because I suppose I always thought, this is not the body I'm supposed to be in. I'm supposed to be in a thin body, but why can't I get there? <laughs> yeah. Um, why has the fat me's eaten the thin me and it won't let me out, won't the thin girl out? So that was the motivation. I guess, I mean, I'm pretty combative and I certainly had a very combative relationship with my mother. So I probably would have written the book if she'd been alive, but it just so happened that she wasn't alive anymore. And I wrote the book. And yeah, it's looking back, there's quite a lot of it that is quite painful but then you'll know better than most Helen I think if you've learnt 
I don't think you would ever be interested, one would ever be interested in making strangers laugh if there weren't some pain yeah. behind. Yeah. I mean, that's where comedy comes from. It doesn't. I had a fantastic upbringing. I was really loved by my parents. <laughs> I married my first boyfriend who just adored me, and it's been great since then. I don't yeah. think that's where comedy comes from. Not, not at all. No, no. That's and I think that's that's been basically the essence of the scummy mummies. It comes from such pain and such awkwardness and all the all that sort of stuff. And I do lots of body stuff in the scummy mummies live show as well. And that just and always subvert. I'm going. Don't I look fabulous? Look at this. You know. Look at how wonderful my tits are. I've had two kids. All that sort of thing. And I feel that is so. I don't want to use the word empowering, but you just get the room with you. And I always say, look, I'm wearing my control pants. It gives me such a natural line. Don't you love? <laughs> you know that sort of stuff. And so I think. And I find that cathartic for me because every night I'm telling my story and that that reaches out to a whole group of women in a live audience. And I'm, I'm sure you felt the same writing the book in that even even some of the phrases that you use that the family has used, I've heard, if not from a person, but in my own head. Yeah, well, we've all got the script going on in our head. Yeah. And they're only, you know, if they were saying something that didn't resound with you, you'd just go, what? And you'd never, you'd forget they said it. It's the fact mm. that when they criticise you, your family in particular, or other people, uh, it resounds with something in your head. You're going, yeah, I kind of knew I wasn't really, yeah, yeah, allowed to be in here. I knew I was an outsider and they've just called me out. Yeah, I know. And then, then that truth becomes the reality. One of the things I think that really struck me in the book in the early years was the relationship with food. And like you write about uh, the dinner table and you not being allowed to have potatoes because mm. and they and they actually said you can't have potatoes because you're fat, Arabella. Yeah, well, they were Scottish. Not that it's unique to Scottish parents, <laughs> but they that I think it is quite British. Um, the idea that if you humiliate somebody in public, I mean, it's the essence of all public schools. Mm. If you are humiliated in public, you will want to do better. But of course, so obviously, what a great motivator! It's a, it's a oh. super, super oh. little incentive. Thank you're you for not calling me potatoes fat because you're fat. Oh. Wow, okay, shit. Um, but I was too young when they started doing that. I mean, I know it seems incredible now because people talk about dieting and it's, you know, there are ads for it. But this is over, I'm 61, so it's over about 50, a bit more than 50 years ago. And I literally didn't know at kind of nine that food. I mean, obviously, I knew that cream buns and you saw enormous people in the street, although not so much. But uh, so I, I remember thinking, well, I don't understand because everybody else at the table is eating potatoes. So why are they kind of poisoned to me and yeah. not my siblings? Uh, and and um, well, I think that's in the book, too. My older brother, um, who was only, what, I suppose, about 11, said, but I'm a bit big and I'm allowed potatoes. And they said, that's different. You're a boy. Wonderful. Great. Yeah. So you already so that's knew... the message right there. <laughs> You're fat and a woman, so, you know... We don't want fat women. Nobody wants fat women in the world, thank you very much. Yeah. But I... I there was a quite a triumphant moment when you were... Was it when you visited your father in America? That's right. Yeah. And, uh, and he said... And you were going to a buffet and you were getting both rice and potatoes. And he yelled out, not rice and potatoes. And you... What did no, you really, because he was uh, very witty and sarcastic. He called out... A Cross. It was at a very grand buffet given by some very important people round a lake that they owned. And he said it across the lake. He went, rice and potatoes, darling, is that a good idea? And I just went, fuck off. 
and I was quite pleased with myself. I never in a million years would I have prepared myself to say mm. that. But I was so humiliated. And, of course, I was wearing a swimsuit yeah. because it was a lake party. And, uh, and I had, to her eternal credit, one of the stick-thin New York women, because it was in New York, said, quite right, too. Fantastic. Uh, so I was quite pleased. I don't know who she was, but to this day, I thought... Um, and you then had an he ally. said, "You had you had support. You had yeah. They were all thin these women, <laughs> but uh, not the when thin women can't be your allies. But on the way back into New York, because it was in the suburb of New York, um, a suburb of New York, and on the way back, I was thirteen. I sort of got it together. So, Dad, you shouldn't say that sort of thing to me. But you know, I wish I I can't say I was, you know, being girl powery or anything. I just thought he shouldn't say that sort of thing. And he said to me, darling, I can't help it." if I want pretty girls around me. (gasps) I know. That's not a good idea. No, no. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Moving on from that, you went on to become an actress mm-hmm. and you and you knew and you speak about in the book about you knew that being funny was part of you, that being a clown was again a coping me- mechanism. Yeah. And you could get attention that way, but also you could get love and adoration as well. Yeah, you could get if you I think I actually consciously worked out quite soon at school that if you were funny and sassy, that would override any kind of need to be pretty and thin. Yeah. Because people would like you because you're just a laugh to have around and stuff and you didn't have to worry about, well, I'm not gonna be able to compete with the super pretty girls, so I'll I'll see if I can compete, and I did rather well <laughs> uh, uh, on the being sassy and you know funny and rude and yeah. Everyone, everyone loves the funny person. I I knew that very early on too. That if I can make people laugh, they it was some kind of a magic power that they wouldn't see the fat or or it sort of overrode. Yeah, it's that. funny. So, yes, it becomes your kind of becomes your armor. 
Yeah, exactly. And I remember the words that people used to describe me was like, "Oh, she's a laugh, isn't she a classic?" She wouldn't. You wouldn't say she's sexy or isn't she beautiful like that. That they were the the classifiers of who I was. Wow. But I was just like, "Oh, if I can be funny, then that is a value that people they want. They want to. They want to. And and often it would be at my expense, or I would reveal oh, yeah. reveal too much about my parents or what they said. Oh, tell us more about you know." hearing your parents having sex or something which I shouldn't have told but I just I would do anything for me too yeah Yeah. (laughs) when you get hungry for laughter you're just you throw everybody under the bus to get more laughs oh oh, yeah and then my brother did this and then my sister did this which I shouldn't I've told and they weren't my stories to tell but like oh I just you get that taste for it and you're like no 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 no. I've got more I've got more come back come back come back love me yeah exactly and then so obviously after um, high school you went into acting and and I guess you know, you you paint a scene of again, still the value being on the thin actress and not seeing any fat people or bigger people on no. the TV at that time. There was one who shall remain nameless uh, because it's not fair anyway. Of my contemporaries, there was one big, not at all attractive. I mean, I'm not saying she wasn't attractive, you know, globally. I'm just yeah. saying she played ugly what they would have in those days said slags. Yeah. Because she was big and she wasn't pretty and she was working class and then everybody else was thin and pretty. Yeah. And there was no sort of middle ground. And when I started in 1979, people would be, I mean, directors, they were every exclusively male bar one that I worked with and the men would say, you need to lose weight. But without any, I mean, now they wouldn't dare. They might be thinking it. No, you'd punch them in the face. But also they wouldn't, you could report them straight away. Yeah. That guy asked me to lose weight. Um, and they would just say, "Are you all the time?" I used to go, "Oh, you're very pretty, but you're not thin enough." Oh, extraordinary! And you know, and I was a burgeoning feminist at those times, thinking, "What's wrong with that sentence? And why aren't I allowed to say, why 'Why don't you go and fuck yourself?'" Yeah, and you probably knew in your guts, like you, you had that. You yeah, did, but literally... then you're a desperate young actress going, "I need the job." Yeah, I want the job. I need the job. This is the validation. Yeah, yeah. I am the square peg for the round hole. Please give me the job. I'll be thin. I'll be pretty. I'll be. And how do you want me? As they used to say about actors. Oh my gosh! And were there times where you? Wanted to starve yourself, or I mean, you talk about you. Ha- you had a friend who you calorie counted with at oh yeah at school. Oh no, I did. I yo-yo dieted for years. You know, one boiled egg a day, nothing, a glass of water, a bowl of cabbage. I went up and down the entire time. Mm. Uh, but the interesting thing was, it never. I I used to lose lots of weight. And then was always thinking, but why don't I feel better? Why don't I feel happier? Yeah. Why, why hasn't this worked? This is supposed to be the magic key. Yeah. I'm thinking, oh. And I remember there was quite a sort of, I'd had a friend for a long time, a, a heterosexual male friend, and uh, he worked abroad. And we used to see each other sort of, I don't know, you know, a few times a year for dinner. And he hadn't seen me since I'd lost a load of weight. And I turned up. And he kind of went, wow. And I went, oh, yeah, I've lost a load of weight. And I, I thought he was a mate. And he tried it on with me. And I oh, said, yeah. I said, but but you, you've never tried it on with me. What are you doing? Mm. And he went, yeah, but you didn't look like this before. And I went, yeah, but I was still the same person. So you can go fuck yourself. Good. Excellent. Uh, I didn't find him attractive anyway. And I'm ashamed to say, had he been the object of my desire, I'd like to think I probably, I would have also said, get, you know, get stuffed. But I might not have done and was there was there a, was there a light bulb moment or was there a massive kind of turning point for you because obviously you had that in you 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 you've, you're a strong person you've got sass yes. you've got uh you've got fire in your belly um but Thank what you. was there was there was there something that someone said to you or was there something that 
fuck this shit, I'm, I'm over this. No, I don't think, as I said at the beginning of the show, I don't think it's like I now go, yeah, girls, I'm like going on the beach in that micro bikini and you're going to, I'm going to love it. Love it all. No, I think what happened is throughout the writing of Does My Bum Look Big in This, mm. I literally thought... It, this is no one's going to read this and if they do they're going to think I am bonkers yeah so it was the huge success of that which made me realise that every woman is thinking pretty much the same thing whatever she looks like mm. I don't quite fit in my tits aren't the right shape all the you know they're all going to like that girl not me that was a huge uh, well a very gradual because the book became a bestseller and then everyone went oh you wrote that and I and and it, I remember someone going, but anyway, you're not fat. And I went, that's not. You've missed the point. <laughs> um, uh, so it was knowing that so many women felt the same way, even though that was all sort of jokey. I think it was having kids, and in particular a daughter. I thought I cannot bring her up, no, thinking that the most important thing she needs to do is have a great figure. Yeah. Uh, and so yes, and I would say. So not a light bulb moment so much as a dimmer. Yeah. <laughs> a a dimmer switch. It's like those, what are Slowly those? Slowly being turned to full. Yes. Well, that, I mean, that's so, that's so important because I think you think you're alone. You think you're alone for such a long time. And, you know, and the greatest power is sharing of your course. story. And having Anything. that. Yeah. And Anything having that, shared. Uh, that courage to share. Because I think, you know, I'm now in this, you know, part of, Instagram and part of this Instagram movement with mothers. And one of the big things is that they like to talk about body image. And I went to a, um, Ellie and I were part of this thing called the Warrior Woman uh, photo shoot. And they said, you can be as naked as you like. And Ellie was like, well, we're going to be full, fully naked. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. And so Ellie and I did this. We're all allowed to wear as much or as little clothes as we like. And it was um, part of this project. And Ellie and I decided to wear uh, baby mini baby bells on our nipples. We had a fish finger necklace and then we just <laughs> held a bottle of gin in front of our bushes and that was it. And we had this photo taken. And but there was a whole lineup of women in some were wearing swimming costumes, some were wearing just bras and knickers, others dresses. And it they were all shapes and sizes, all ages, and all of them hated all they went or they were all making apologies about really? how they looked. Even though it was meant to this being a powering day and, um, you know, inspiring other people. Everyone's like, oh, God, oh, no, and I haven't shaved and, oh, my boobs are like this. And I, and that was, for me, a bit of that kind of a, an awakening because I was like, but you look gorgeous. You've got the figure that I will never have. You've got this and you've got that. And they can't see it. Women are very quick in all fields to go, oh, well, I mean, of course, I didn't get that job because I hadn't done the presentation properly and I hadn't actually read the uh, backstory of that. Just, just, Whereas yeah. men go, I didn't get that job because that guy was a knob. And you go, nee, is that really why you didn't get the job? Yeah. Maybe you were the knob. Yeah, I they, know. Men go out, women go in. It's the same in stand-up. You go backstage after like an open mic night and all the guys are like, oh, geez, the audience is really crap. And then you go out and smash it and they're really confused. How is the audience suddenly different? It's like, it's not that we had better jokes. It's like something, yeah, that I remember always blaming or they'd blame the lighting or it, never themselves. Never. Like, well, I know that seems to print. be a sort of male trait, <laughs> doesn't it? It can't be me. It must have been that guy. Yeah. And I think it is also true. Have you not noticed on the circuit? I don't think 
young female comedians do the look at me, I'm shit material as much as my generation did. Yeah, I think me, that's really Joe changed. Brand, Dawn, you know, it was all kind of, oh, look, I don't fit into this or I'm my size. You know, we did a lot of self-deprecating stuff mm. and I don't think the younger comedians are doing, are inviting the audience no. to go, would you like to criticise my body shape? No, I'll make you feel better because I'll, I'll be the shittest person in the room. That's yeah, my I'll, gift yeah. to you. Okay. I don't think, yeah. All right, now we're going to go into a quick fire round and then sure. we're going to flog all the things that you want to flog. Surely. That's how, that's how that bit's going to work. Absolutely. All right. Let's go. I'm ready. I'm strapped in. Go. Arabella, what makes you feel sexy? Ooh, sex. Great. I like sex. It's, it's a lovely thing. Uh, what's your most favourite thing to put in your body? A big cock. Correct. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, you're nailing this. What's your most embarrassing body moment? Oh, I mean, it's got to be farting when you have sex. Nobody wants to do that when they're on all fours. doesn't matter how much someone likes you. If you're very lucky, they'll laugh out loud. Otherwise, you'll just have to kill them then and there because you can't fart in someone's... Depends where they are in relation yes, exactly. to your bum. But no. Uh, that's probably the... Yeah. Or when you get those awful... <laughs> coming oh. out of your vagina. Oh, yes, the fanny fart. Fanny fart, oh. very. I mean, there's no getting around that. You but that's when you need a sense of humour. Yes, when exactly. Sense of humor. Yeah. Because if you're a girly girl, you're too girly girly. <laughs> if you're too girly girly, then you're obviously going to have to kill him. Yeah, or, ki- or you should probably kill yourself. Or kill yourself. Yes, exactly right. Um, what, what's the best thing people have said about you or your body? What, 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 what gave you the, you know, the, ooh, um, well, I'm proud to say that quite a lot of people I've slept with, and there are a few, uh, have said fucking amazing tits. Yes! And, uh, <laughs> and quite a few of them, depending on where they are, geographically, have said fantastic bum. One guy I slept with said, you have got the best vagina I've ever seen in my life. He didn't say vagina because um, it was in delicto flagrante. But uh, I did think, because that is, I don't want to see vaginas much myself, but he did say, my God, it's the best looking cunt I've ever seen. And I thought, well, that's quite nice. Thank you. Fat facts. So I've scoured the internet, Arabella, for some very interesting facts about bodies. And this one I thought was kind of interesting is that if you've eaten too much, your hearing is less sharp. So if you overindulge in food, then you lose your hearing temporarily. The thing that I've... Here's a... If you're waiting for me to give you a fact, the thing I learned long before I had children but managed to teach them, which was you can have as much as you want, but if you, after I've given you a meal or we've mm. all eaten together, you have to wait 20 minutes before you're allowed more because it takes 20 minutes for the message to get from your stomach to your brain. Oh, see, that's where I've gone wrong. That's well, when no, I had that second going, bowl. That's delicious. Let's keep going. I'll have some more mac and cheese because it just makes me yeah. feel very nice. But no. 20 minutes, you've got to wait. And then you feel a bit sludgy. And that's probably why you've gone a bit deaf because you're just like everything. You go into that weird sort of overindulgence. That is really interesting. It's a, a real. Yes, I know. I found that on the, on, on the interweb. So it must be true. The Hall of Fat Fame. Mm. Uh, so if we, because I want to reposition women uh, and bigger women because I think they're left out of history. Who would you put in a Hall of Fat Fame, Arabella? Who inspires you? No, well, I mean, when I was starting out, and they were starting out at the same time, Dawn, French, Joe Brand, 
Oh, but I always loved, and Bette Midler used to do her act, um, Sophie Tucker. She oh, was an American music hall comedian. Amazing. Huge. Yeah. I mean, not particularly big inside. She was pretty big. Yeah. Mae West. Mm. You know, women like that. And if you, you know, you look at those women of the 40s and 50s in those films, and they're all pretty curvy. Yeah. Uh, and so, deliciously curvy yeah. as well. I mean, I dare say they were being punished by the studios as well. But, yeah, I would say Dawn and Dawn French and Joe Brand and, you know, my contemporaries that were sort of unashamed and doing comedy ahead of me and not going, I'd better be thin and pretty. Yeah. So I'd put them in the Hall of Fame. I, they're an excellent choice. And finally, Vatspiration. What advice would you give to our audience who, who've gone through or feeling, you know, like we all feel? Have you got, have you got words of wisdom or mantras that get you through? Uh, if I could relive my life, I would say, and I would certainly say it to my daughter, well, and my son, but in particular to do with a woman, eat what you like, but understand why you're eating it. Yeah. And that is the key because, of course, people like you and me who are better covered, <laughs> uh, I think I now have only just got to the stage where I go, yeah, by all means have that chocolate bar. Do you really want it? And are you going to be okay about how you feel after you've eaten it? Mm. So what happens now is I obviously, because I'm certainly not thin, uh, I will eat a piece of chocolate I never used to be able to keep chocolate in the house, for example, because I knew I'd just eat it all. Yeah. So what happens now is if I think, yeah, I am tired, I would like the lift that a square of chocolate is going to give me, and then I eat the square, mm. but I don't eat the whole thing. And as I say, I'm obviously not thin, and I'm obviously not ever going to be thin. Well, I mean, I suppose I could if I ate nothing at all. But I think the advice I would give is be as nice to yourself as you possibly can. So mm. if you want that thing, by all means eat it. If you are the girl that eats a bar of chocolate and gains weight, whereas your friend eats a bar of chocolate and never gains weight, just accept that you're different people and you've got different bodies. Just know why you're eating whatever you're eating. Yeah. Because by and large, certainly I overate. wasn't that I just ate the, in inverted commas, wrong thing. I overate. And I know now why I was overeating because I was miserable and judged exclusively by on my size by the two people in the world that were supposed to protect me from a critical world, not be critical at home. Now, let's do the shameless flogging bit. Um, I hear you're going to Edinburgh, Arabella. Thank you, I am. <laughs> From the 12th to the 25th of August, you can see me do a show called Does My Mum Loom Big in This? I think you know what I've done there. <laughs> at the Assembly uh, Studio 2, 4 o'clock every day. Fab. I can come and see your show. Yeah. Because the Scummy Mummies are doing their show at 7.50 at the Assembly Rooms called The Blue Room. So see both in one day. and then That would be a great day out. Tickets are now available on the website, so do come along. And where can people follow you on the social medias? I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter and I'm on Facebook, but I don't really do Facebook. No. That's for oldies, I'm told. Now. Yes, my I'm mother's so all over young. Facebook. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Instagram and Twitter. Excellent. And you're on the telly as well? Where can I we, on am BBC on two? the telly, but I'm not on the telly at the moment, but yeah. when I am, it's two doors down, BBC Two. Excellent. Wonderful. You've been a delight. And well, a wonder... it's been a huge pleasure. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Our wonderful producer today is, of course, Maddie Hickish. And the music you've listened to today is by my brother, John Thorne. Yes, 
I did, he did it for free. It, he was very good. Anyway, thank you very much. Do rate, review and subscribe. And go love yourself, people. Bye! A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.